We'll continue there tonight, and I'll go ahead and tell you that we won't get off of 38. Maybe I'll read verse 39, but we won't get off of 38 tonight, okay? As we've looked at Acts chapter 2, verse 38, we've talked about a number of things already. Uh, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. A lot of times when we talk about Acts chapter 2, verse 38, we focus our attention on the repent and be baptized part, and it should be focused. You know, we, we understand about the authority that's given there. We understand about the fact that there's a conjunction that is there between repent and be baptized, and we talk about the forgiveness of sins and all of that. But one of the parts that we don't talk as much about is the last part of that verse, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, as it's translated here in the English Standard Version. Now, I wouldn't say necessarily that there is a controversy in regard to uh, the latter part of that uh, verse, but there is a lot of discussion that is done. I don't know how many of you know anything much about the Freed Hardeman Lectureship and the Open Forum, but... Years ago, Brother Guy in Woods was the moderator of the open forum. You know, questions were asked, and he would stand before the audience and give the answers. And it was before my time that he was doing that, so I wasn't there, but I've read so many times. Even on the, uh, the, uh, the uh, website, therestorationmovement.com, there is a, uh, a, an article about him doing that. And, and it goes in part like this... Uh, let me just read part of it. Guy Woods was the moderator of the Open Forum during the annual Freed Hardeman Lectures for a number of years. This writer remembers well his experiences as a student at Freed Hardeman College during the 1970s, sitting in the Open Forum, hearing the brotherly but stern debate between Guy and Woods and Gus Nichols on the subject of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Inevitably, a question on the indwelling of the Holy Spirit would come up in the Forum, while Brother Woods clearly and succinctly expressed his views, Gus Nichols would begin making his way to the stage for a rebuttal that the audience knew was coming. Uh, I, I've seen that and, and heard different ones talk about that. Brother Neil Pollard, many of you may recognize his name as well, wrote in regard to that, he said, uh, the controversy preceded my birth. Wendell Winkler was the first man I remember talking about the open forum, spirited debate between Gus Nichols and Guy and Woods over how the Holy Spirit indwells the Christian. In those days, though, despite the vigor with which each man uh, presented his view, the matter was not seen as divisive or worthy of a breach of fellowship. So long as the Spirit's deity was not denied, or so long as one did not believe that the Spirit miraculously or directly operated upon the heart of an individual to convert or exert his will upon that one, the how was not seen as crucial. I remember that many of my role models, Wendell Winkler, Hugo McCord, William Woodson, and Roy H. Lanier Jr. on one side, and Franklin Kemp, V.E. Howard, and Winford Clark on the other, they loved each other and worked together despite their divergent view on how the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Well, there are other things that I have in regard to that. Brother Nichols, in his book on the Holy Spirit, writes this. He says, All positions should be charitably viewed on, uh, on most controversial religious subjects, especially should this be true concerning the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the Christian. And he would go on to write, 
I see no reason for disturbance among us over the question so long as all believe and teach that the Holy Spirit does dwell in the faithful and obedient child of God in some way. The honest but misguided interpretations which may be made in trying to show how the Spirit dwell in us should not by those on either side disrupt brotherly love and unity and ravage our brotherhood. And so, with that somewhat of an introduction, we're going to talk about the, the receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit tonight. And, and what I want us to do is to look at both, both sides. And since Brother Eddie grew up under uh, Brother, Guy, uh, Brother Gus Nichols and holds the view that Brother Nichols uh, held and taught, I'm going to ask him to play the part of Brother Nichols and present that view. And then uh, I'm going to turn around and play, I guess, the part of Brother Woods and present the other view. But both of them will be presented not because there's an argument, but because there's a lot that, uh, that needs to be considered. And I want them to be adequately considered. And I want you to think about it because every Bible class that we have, including this one, is not to be taken upon what the preacher or the teacher says, but what the Bible says. And so that's, that's what we're trying to determine and trying to understand. Now I'll go ahead and say that as we think about it, we're not talking about when a Christian... We understand from the, uh, from the Bible that the Holy Spirit does dwell in us in some way. That is without dispute, okay? But uh, the how that is done is what, is what is under discussion. And the normal indwelling of the Holy Spirit... I think all of us would agree, is not a miraculous thing. Uh, he's not going to cause us to do something against our will. He's not going to reveal any additional information that we don't find in the Word of God. Uh, so we can't expect Him to work in that way. And, and neither Brother McCoy, I mean Brother Nichols or Brother uh, Wood uh, would in any way promote that kind of thing. But we'll try to determine the end of not only the indwelling, but what he means by the gift of the Holy Spirit as well. And so I'm going to turn it over to Brother Eddie so he'll, he'll have plenty of time. And then, uh, what? You want me to go first? All right, I'll go first. You may not have any time left, but <laughs> we may have to let you go next. <laughs> we may have to let you go next week if, if that's all right. But let's go and let's talk about... Uh, Let's talk about it. I'll just jump right in, and we'll go as quickly as we can. Notice that he says that uh, he that believes and is baptized, or repent and be baptized, rather, is trying to quote uh, Mark 16. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Well, we've already spoken in, in some degree about uh, the indwelling part there. Uh, there are basically three views that uh, people will take. Uh, the view that Brother uh, uh, Woods takes, the view that Brother uh, Nichols takes, and then there's some who believe that it is indeed a miraculous view. But what I want us to focus on tonight for just a minute or two is the language and grammar of the passage. As we look at that, and we look at it in its original state, and we study through it from the original language in which it is written, it's not necessary for us to have 
a degree in the Greek language in order to understand it because we have so many tools available to us today that any ordinary person could go into search and, and come to understand some things about the, the Greek language. But when we look at the, the, the way that the phrase is used here in uh, 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 Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and the language, the grammar that is used in the original, it shows that the gift of the Spirit is in the genitive case. Now, what does that mean? Well, we don't have the genitive case in English, but we do have what we call the possessive case. We have the possessive case. And so, what does it mean to, to, to have the possessive case? Well, we might use the term simply Mark's car, right? Or Mark's truck, okay? That is possessive. That is the truck that belongs to Mark. Okay, so all of us, I think, understand that. We use that kind of, of language, that kind of English all the time, and so we understand the possessive. Now, as you look at this passage and you think about what is said, I want you to think about it in that context with the language because language means something. Language itself, God used that language in order to present it because even though we may not speak it today, it was one of the most precise languages that has ever graced the face of the earth. And so he used that time. There are a lot of things that are said in Scripture that, that uh, the fullness of time in the book of Galatians, chapter 4, verse 4, uh, part of the fullness of time had to do with uh, all of the things that were available to spread the gospel at that time, including the language. Okay? But let's look, at, uh, let's look at Acts chapter 8 at verse number 20 tonight. Acts chapter 8 at verse number 20. Somebody read that for us. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you because of the gift of God to be purchased with money. Okay. Let's focus on the latter part of that verse. Now this is Simon. He thinks he's going to buy something uh, from the apostles, by the way. But what is it that he's seeking to buy? The ability to. Well, let's, let's, let's stay with language first. Okay? So what is he seeking to buy? The Holy no, that's not what he said. The gift of God. He says he's wanting to buy the gift of God. Same kind of language. It is possessive. It's the gift that belongs to God or the gift that is being given by God. Now, how many would think that Simon is trying to buy God? I mean, is he trying to buy God? No, he's trying to buy what God has, right? And so it's in the genitive case. Look at the book of Ephesians chapter 4 at verse number 7. And if somebody has the King James Version, I want you to read it first, and then we'll read it from uh, the English Standard. Anybody have the King James? Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 7. Okay, so we're given grace. We understand that. It's 
It's not that we're seeking to discuss all of that part, but just looking at language tonight, what is it that, how is it that we receive it? According to the measure of what? The gift of Christ. And is there anyone who would argue that we're receiving Christ as the gift? I mean, it's the same kind of language. Uh, Was Simon trying to buy God, or was he trying to buy what God had? When we look at the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 7, we have again the genitive, the possessive, if you will, when it comes to to the English language. And so... When we look at what is being said here, written by Paul, that is, when he talks about the gift of Christ, maybe we would be better to think about it from the standpoint of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, out of the English Standard. We're not looking to get Christ, are we? We're looking to get what Christ has. And so how is it translated in the English Standard? As Christ's gifts. But... Uh, unto everyone, or but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Okay? So, as we look at what is said here in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and we have other examples in Scripture, one especially about God and the other especially about Christ, and it's in the same form when we look at it, why would we conclude that what Peter is offering here, what God is offering, is the Holy Spirit Himself. The gift of the Holy Spirit Himself, rather than what the Holy Spirit offers. What would, what would cause us to want to translate it or consider it in any other way than what we would normally consider the same kind of language in other places. Now, we are told in other passages that God dwells within us, aren't we? In the book of 1 John, we're also told that Christ dwells within us, but we're not looking for God in Christ. We understand, even from the sentence, that what is being given is not them, uh, that part of the Godhead, either the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit, as I would argue here, we're not getting that. We're getting something that belongs to that person. Let's let's continue thinking about it. Let's go back to the book of Acts, chapter 2. And I want us to take a closer look and and think about it as we we look at it here. Uh, In Acts, chapter 2... What is the context of what is said? When, when Peter makes that statement about repent and be baptized, every one of you, you'll receive the forgiveness of sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What was the context of what was happening that day? What, had, what got all of this started? The Holy Spirit came upon the apostles in the baptismal measure, wasn't it? And so these people who are there, they began crowding around them, coming together because of what? Yeah, the sound that they heard. And and all of the commotion that's going on. And people then began to make fun of them, right? And so 
Eventually, Peter begins to explain what's going on. He says, these men are not drunk, as some of you suppose. But then he makes it clear that it's the coming of the Holy Spirit, as had been prophesied by the prophet Joel, right? And so, as he is talking about the Spirit, and he is offering the Spirit, what do you think would naturally come to these people's minds? Oh, Peter's offering them the Holy Spirit, but he's wanting to give them something completely different than what they're thinking about. Right? Would that make very much sense for the Lord to do that? As we continue on, let's just simply understand that when Peter mentioned it, it would naturally, I believe... And any one of us who's standing there hearing it on the first, for the very first time, we'd say probably something like this, I'd like to have some of that. Some of what? The same thing that the apostles have to be able to do. You know, uh, as we look through the scriptures, when is another occasion when we, when we see exactly what happened in a very similar way as to what happened here on the day of Pentecost? Cornelius and his household, Cornelius and his household in Acts chapter number 10. Okay? Uh, so, we understand from other passages that the apostles were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Ten years later, Cornelius and his household received a similar baptism. And we can establish from Scripture that there are no other occasions of this sort, right? We've talked about that already as we've studied together here. Brother Nichols, therefore, and Eddie can answer for Brother Nichols in just a moment, he, he, he says that there's no mention of the apostles providing the power of the Holy Spirit through the laying on of their hands in, in the Jerusalem church for two or three years after this. And, and I would say that just because there's no specific record that any other persons received the miraculous laying on of hands and the, the ability to perform the miraculous gifts, the apostles and those exercising those gifts were not uh, uh, the, the focus was on the apostles and not on those who were receiving the things in the first part of the book of Acts. Luke focuses on the apostles and not the disciples. Now, do you realize that there are four times in the New Testament that we read about the gift of the Holy Spirit? The first one is found, of course, here in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. The second, we, second one is found in Acts chapter 8. We've alluded to it a minute ago. But look at verses 19 and 20. Luke chapter 8, verses 19 and 20. Acts chapter 8. This is Simon. What does Simon say? Uh, give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. All right, so what is it that Simon is wanting? 
to be able to lay hands on people. Now read verse 20. The gift of God. Contextually, what is it that Simon is wanting? He wants the gift of God. Peter makes that clear, doesn't he? But what is it that he's wanting? The power that had been bestowed by the Holy Spirit and was used by the Holy Spirit. And so, even though the word, the gift of the Holy Spirit, is not connected right there together in, the, in those words... We understand from plain language that that's what he's asking about. He's asking about the power, and Paul, simply, or rather Peter, simply refers to it as the gift of God there. Okay? Look at Acts chapter 10, verses 45 through 47. Acts chapter 10, verses 45 through 47. Okay? Who has that one? Now, what was poured out on the Gentiles? Keep going. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God, and Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water from ba- for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So what, what's under consideration? The miraculous endowment of the Holy Spirit for them to be able to perform the miraculous? Is that correct? Look at another passage in Acts chapter 11, verses 15 through 17. Eddie's wanting to get his 10 minutes in, too. <laughs> he said he would only need 10, and it's about, he's about to run out of time here. Somebody got Acts 11? God gave the same what to them? The same gift. What did he give them? The miraculous. And, well, the, mirac- the, the ability to perform the miraculous because what did they do? They spoke in tongues and, and did the miraculous. And so every time that the, the concept of the gift of the Spirit is used in Scripture four times, it's always used in connection with what? As we've just pointed out. The miraculous working that was done in the first century that stopped when all of the apostles had died and no one else was left to lay their hands to pass it on down. And besides that, there was no need for it. According to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you know, all of those things, all the perfect had come, the complete word had been done, and so... All right, I'm going to give Eddie his time, and I'll pick back up, and we'll talk about it again next Wednesday night because I know uh, he's going to have uh, going to take up the rest of the time. But we'll come back to it and discuss it and talk about 
the different things that, that we've said. Go ahead. Thank you, Larry. Uh, I was there at 6th Avenue when, when Guy Woods would come and preach there. And uh, I know that he and, and Brother Nichols were very good friends. And they never, they never fussed. They, they disagreed. But they were never disagreeable. And uh, there's and, and things that Mark and I disagree yeah, about. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. And, and uh, I love Mark, and I have no doubt that Mark loves me. Absolutely. And uh, so we're not fussing. We're just presenting some things. And I want to present a few things that uh, I think gives thought to the direct indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, first of all, Mark just talked about the wording of the verse 38. It says, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And from the structure of that sentence, you can't tell if the Holy Spirit is the gift or if there's a gift that the Holy Spirit is giving. But if you turn over to Acts 5.32, it'll clear up the whole thing. Acts 5.32 says that the Holy Spirit is given to each person who obeys as a gift. The Holy Spirit is given to each person who obeys. That should clear up any thoughts on that. Uh, one other thing that I, or a couple more things that I gleaned from this verse is as we as we came up to this verse, the people heard what Peter had to say. They heard the word. They then believed the word. It says they were pricked in their heart. Then it says they asked the question, what was, what must be must we do? And he says You'll repent and obey. Repent and be baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When did they receive the word? It was before baptism. When did they receive the Holy Spirit? After baptism. We have uh, a lot of debates that, w that has been done by Apologetics Press and and uh, Ralph Gilmore and a lot of other folks with several atheists. Uh, and I tell you, those guys know the Bible. They know the Word. Do they have the Holy Spirit because they have the Word? No, they don't. Uh, at this time, keep in mind that how much of the word did these people have on the day of Pentecost? They had good knowledge of the Old Testament. We know that because they recognized the uh, prophecy of Joel and what it meant. But they only heard just what Peter told them. That Christ, he came and died was raised and is at the right hand of God. And he did that for the remission of sins. 
They didn't have the Gospels. They didn't have the writings of Paul. They didn't have the writings of, of James and, and John. They didn't even have the writings of Luke. How much of the Word did they actually have? They had just what Peter told them, which is enough to convict them of, of the sin that they, they were committing and had committed. If we look back, the apostles already were doing miracles prior to the day of Pentecost. We read in, in Matthew 10 and 8 that they healed the sick, uh, they raised the dead, they cast out demons, they cleansed the lepers. In John 14, 16 and 17, I asked Randy if he would to read that. That, that's enough. He said, Comforter's going to be sin. And that's what we're reading about here in Acts 2. He said, He's with you. He's with them now, at this time, when Christ spoke these words. But He said, He's going to be in you. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. The Spirit was in them. I think that Romans 8 is one, of the most, is one of the most interesting chapters of the Bible. Uh, Randy, if you would read Romans 8, 9 through 11. He dwells in you. To me it seems clear. Uh, but is it possible that it's only through the Word that He dwells in you? That's the question. Let's look at Romans, at verse 16 of that same chapter. Romans 8 and 16. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That word himself means he doesn't do it through another agent. He does it himself. Autos is the Greek word. Also, his spirit is with our spirit bearing witness. Where is your spirit? Is it not in you? If the Holy Spirit is with your spirit, bearing witness, then wouldn't the Holy Spirit have to be in you? 
Let's look on down to verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. There's that word again. Himself. Could the word intercede for us? No. The Spirit Himself. Throughout this chapter it says that the Spirit dwells in us. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit. And He intercedes for us. I also believe that spiritual blessings come through the Spirit. Now, Brother Nichols, I don't think, believed that. I don't know exactly what he believed along that line. But I believe that spiritual blessings happen through the Spirit. Mark mentioned that Christ is in us. He also mentioned that God is in us. How are they in us? Well, I didn't copy those verses down, but if you'll go to, uh, I believe it's 1 John, it'll tell you that they, they're in us through the Spirit. And I believe that when I pray for strength, when I'm having a hard time, or when I pray for wisdom, when I have to make a hard decision, how does God answer that? I believe that He answers it through the Spirit that dwells in me. There's a lot of... We, we studied on this for over two months in the class at the end of the hall. And I bored my students to death. <laughs> they got so tired of hearing it, I'm sure. But this is not an easy subject. And I, I think it's a subject that we... I think because we think there's controversy, it's really not controversy. It's it's studying the Word and trying to, to see exactly what it says and, and what God intends us to know about this subject. And uh, if, if anybody wants to study further, all I can do is hit the highlights of it. I can't, I can't do in, in ten minutes uh, the depth of the study that we need to do. But I'll be glad to sit down with anybody and... and open the Bible and we'll look and see in depth what this has, what this says. Alright, I asked Eddie to do that tonight because I wanted us to see that it's not an easy subject. I mean, if men like Guy and Woods and, and uh, Gus Nichols who've studied it for years and years and years and who had probably forgotten as much as I will ever know, you know, uh, if they couldn't come to a definite answer and agreement on it, then I don't know that we ever will. But I, I want us to understand that there are valid things on both, in from both arguments that, uh, uh, that, that you know, are there. Now, I think I can answer all of that is, but, but anyway, we're going to quit tonight. Well, actually, actually, I, I pretty much followed Guy and Woods' outline. Did you? Yep. 
So that was his view too. <laughs> from from Guy and Woods. So
You good? All right, it's time for us to get started tonight. We'll have our devotional and invitation song in just a few minutes.